Hello lovely listeners and thank you very much for joining me here on the very first episode of the Nutritionist podcast with me Anna the Nutritionist. I am so so excited to be doing this and I feel extremely grateful that you have taken the time out of your busy life to give this a listen so thank you very much for that. Ultimately what I hope with the podcast is that you just enjoy it and if you can take something from each episode that you can implement in your day-to-day life to feel better then I am happy with that. I think that's what most of us are aiming for so just to feel better, feel happier and healthier. If you already follow me on social media then that is fantastic and thank you for doing so. I will be covering a lot of the same topics but just obviously in more detail on the podcast. If you don't follow me then please go and do so. It is at the nutrition underscore nurse for Instagram and you'll find all of my other details on there. I will also put them in the show notes on here. So I'm very excited to get started. This first episode is just going to be a bit of an introduction to me and my background and how I started The Nutrition Nurse. So let's get into it. I have always worked in different health and social care roles since I was about 18, and certain things in my personal life have steered me into that career direction as well as a bit of an innate want to look after people and help people. I worked in the NHS for years and then qualified as a adult nurse in 2017, at which point I did a lot of work on um, a specialist area of upper gastrointestinal surgery. It was here that I really, really started to notice that I had quite a passion and interest in nutrition and people's overall health. So obviously being a nurse, I've always had that drive and interest to look after people and support them to live their best life. But what I noticed working with um, upper gastrointestinal patients was that nutrition plays such an important role in our overall health. So a lot of patients that I looked after were unable to have certain foods or drinks or, you know, they had to adapt their diet in a certain way. And I just saw the impact that this had on their physical and mental health, but equally how their mental health could then impact their recovery and their nutritional intake as well. Alongside this, I saw the impact that people's overall general diet and intake could have on their health. So before even the point of patients getting to us in hospital, it was amazing how many conditions are contributed to by people's overall diet. And I think like a lot of things in life, until certain things are taken away from you, you take them for granted and don't realise how important they are. So little things that I observed, like patients being able to go for coffee with family or friends or, you know, planning a social occasion and being able to sit down and have a meal without thinking or worrying about what food they were going to eat. This was often a luxury that was taken away from patients. So this then contributed to, you know, um, them not being included in social occasions. It affected some people's culture, the environment that they lived in, all of these things, the relationships, you know, that they had around them, all of these things were impacted. At the same time that I was working there, I started to notice that my own food relationship probably needed some work. So while I was looking after these patients who were having this choice of food and drink taken away from them, I was noticing that I was cutting a lot of things out of my diet, restricting, not allowing myself certain foods, and all because I was going through um, these, you know, constant diet phases, um, which I'll talk a little bit more about. 
What I also started to notice working across different areas of the NHS was the poor food choices available to us all. So whether it was for patients, visitors, staff, it really, really did not support a optimal, healthy lifestyle. Um, I would love to do a piece like Jamie Oliver did in the schools with the NHS hospitals. I think the food availability needs a huge revamp. Um, it's one thing the government given us guidelines about what we should be eating, you know, or should, shouldn't be eating or what we need to include more of in our diet. But then when that food isn't available to us because of whatever reason, whether it's, you know, financial, environmental, social, whatever it is, um, then things really, really need to be looked at. So I've developed a huge range of experience working across different areas of the NHS and in other roles that I've done over the years in health and social care. And then in my personal life, I really have never been somebody massively into health and fitness. I was never a sporty kid at school, um, probably more into underage drinking than anything else. But I went through a little bit of a tough time when I was um, growing up. And this contributed to a lot of things in my life. One thing that happened in 2016-17 was that I went through a breakup, like most of us have done in our lifetime. And after that, I was a little bit stressed, obviously underweight a little bit and lost a bit of weight. From then, I started to get some comments on how I looked and, you know, saying that I looked good, that I looked healthy, that I looked better. Not that I really had any way to lose in the first place, um, but this indirectly stuck in my head and I thought, well, I need to do something to maintain this body shape and size because obviously I look better. This then prompted me to start exercising, um, which I'd never really done consistently over the years. So I started an exercise class and alongside that, I followed a meal plan, which sat me at around 1200 calories a day which I now know is, you know, barely adequate for a small child, but it was what I was given at the time and it's what I stuck to. Probably not consistently um, enough to maintain a smaller body size. At times when I look back, um, I was likely underweight. I had quite a low BMI, but thought that I was healthy and thought that the behaviours that I was doing was healthy. So really, really uneducated about, you know, how my relationship with food should be and how my diet should be and how my overall nutrition should have been. I used a lot of unhealthy behaviours alongside this. So I was quite emotionally dysregulated and would respond to certain emotions using different unhealthy behaviours like smoking, alcohol, binge eating. And the more that I over restricted on this low calorie diet, the more that I binged. So my overall calorie intake varies quite a lot um, but once I binged then I would over restrict again and I would it would be followed with this huge food guilt which would then spark some food preoccupation and I would be constantly planning the next binge and planning the next um, episode of over restriction. I think I'll always be grateful for that time of my life because it did get us into exercise, it started the relationship that I had with exercise but at the time it definitely wasn't ideal and it wasn't optimal um, and it wasn't sustainable. So from then, I calorie counted on and off probably for about three to four years, which I now know is, you know, a sign of disordered eating. Constantly being on that diet pathway, um, it, it's not sustainable. It's not, it's not manageable, and it shouldn't be the case. It's not how somebody should be living their life. It was probably only then when I moved in with a partner that I realised just how much control I needed around food when actually the food was controlling me, but I thought it was the other way around. 
but I couldn't relinquish this control. So indirectly, it did have an impact on, you know, the person that I was living with. They had to abide by my food rules, which, you know, nobody should have to do. And as supportive as a family member or a partner or friends can be with regards to your own food relationship and, you know, your diet and, and how you are managing your intake, it will never be enough until you look at the reason that you, your food relationship is the way it is or the relationship with your body um, and address those issues. So while I was adapting to a new way of life, I was living in a new country with a new partner and it was during the pandemic. So there was a lot going on. I unfortunately had a few losses in my personal life. So from then recognised that I needed some support and took up some grief therapy. Surprisingly to me, it was from this therapy that I started to address my binge eating because that seemed to be the biggest problem. And I was starting to put the link with the emotional dysregulation there. So because of the grief that I was undergoing, I noticed that the binges were becoming more frequent. When I was asked by the counsellor, you know, when it when I first kind of recognised the binges happening, I had always told myself a story that it started because I was over restricting on a low calorie diet. But when I actually dug deep and thought about it, the first episode of binging that I can remember happened when I was about 10 or 11 and it was a case of going to the shop buying these like cake biscuit things and taking them home and secretly eating the whole pack and now when I look back I know that it was in response to a lot of childhood trauma that I was undergoing but it gave me a sense of control it was probably also a a form of self-harm because I was overfilling myself and I felt I didn't feel good for it but I was also trying to make myself feel better And what I've definitely learned from binge eating is it very, very rarely, you know, makes you feel better. So this was a huge part of the work that I started doing on healing my relationship with food and my body. And it was a lengthy journey. It definitely wasn't fluid. And it really, really took a lot of work to get me to move away from, you know, that body checking, that um, negativity around my body and how I felt about myself and and to improve the food relationship. All of that work needed to be done, but it was a lengthy process. It also made me look back at behaviours that I'd practised over the years, like, you know, using diet pills, shake diets, all of those things. And it was probably never really to lose weight. It was just because, you know, that was the fad at the time. I didn't feel great about myself and my body, and it was something that everybody did. So, you know, I followed suit with those things, but all massively unhealthy behaviours And if I had younger girls now coming to me and telling me that they were doing those things, I would do everything that I could to support them to move away from it. One of the huge benefits of starting to heal my food relationship was that I actually had space in my head for other things. So food and and dieting and calorie counting had preoccupied so much of my mental capacity and energy that I had forgot who I was and, you know, the things that I enjoyed. So I started doing a lot of research, obviously in the food relationship stuff, but in nutrition and fitness. And I realised that I had this huge passion for it, as well as from a, for a personal benefit. From there, I did different courses and, you know, looked into different areas of the topic. And I had a friend that worked in the fitness industry and me and her used to talk a lot about doing something, something together. 
So we used to often bounce ideas off each other and, you know, talk about the types of businesses and things that we could set up that we were both passionate about. And it was really from then that I got the idea to do something, but I never, ever had the confidence and the know-how. Um, and I guess the um, the self-development hadn't been done at that time to enable me to be able to set up and run a business. So I remained on this roller coaster of a journey. And what I noticed was, as I did the work to improve how I felt about myself, I was in quite an unhappy situation in my relationship. And it was only until I did something about that that I could fully heal my relationship with food and my body. So moving back to the Northeast then in December 2022, I started another journey. And it was then that I really started to research setting up the nutritionist. Once I got the courage in myself to do it, I went ahead and I am so, so pleased that I did because for me to be able to help other people come from a place similar to that I was in um, and stop yo-yo dieting and feel better about themselves and include all the glorious things that we have got um, access to in our diet is just my absolute passion. And it's something that I will always, always thrive to do. There is so much more. I could tell you about things. This is an absolute whistle stop tour. Um, but just know that the chances are whatever you have tried or have done with regards to your food relationship and the relationship with yourself, I have more than likely done it. I am so, so glad to be in a position where I feel better about my body and myself. And it's not necessarily having that body positivity, you know, where you stand in front of the mirror and say three things you love about yourself. Because I think, like anything, that relationship is, is it, it's, it's not fluid. It's going to change. How you feel about yourself every day is going to change. But it's about having that acceptance. So feeling neutral about it, not looking at yourself and finding something that you don't like and then beating yourself up about it or, you know, restricting your diet because of it. It's just about accepting it and saying, OK, that's me today and I'm going to move forward with it. And it's OK. And sometimes it's only when you start doing the work for something else that you realise that these other things are influencing how you feel. Emotional regulation is a huge thing when it comes to the way that we eat and the way that we treat our bodies and building that self-trust, that using that, having that self-compassion and, you know, building our self-worth and self-confidence all has a huge, huge factor in how we treat ourselves. So my main focus with nutrition coaching is exactly that. It is supporting people to feel better about themselves and live a happier and healthier life. We want to live with fulfillment. Um, we are only here for a short amount of time and your body is the only place that you will ever be guaranteed to live. So we need to look after it. Granted, I have not always practiced that, especially growing up when I was younger. But now that I've got the tools and the knowledge and the know-how of how to do it, then that is my absolute main focus in life. And I think when you find yourself in that intrinsically happy place, then that will show in all areas of your life. And don't get me wrong, I know not everybody needs nutrition coaching, which is fantastic. You know, it would be a very, very sad world if everybody was struggling with their relationship with food and themselves. But I think more and more people are struggling with it because of the culture that we live in and, you know, the abundance of food that we do have, the huge, huge amounts of choice and the way that 
the food industry markets things and the way that it's changed over the years. And equally, I think this constant diet culture. So there's always going to be more fads and more quick fixes that are coming out. They're just in a new disguise. So we always need to be aware of them and know how to spot them and also work away from them. I don't want people to be signed up with me forever. I want it to be something that I can support people to gain the knowledge and tools to move forward in life and then continue to live a healthy and fulfilled life. And equally, I won't be everyone's cup of tea. I love the saying of different strokes for different folks because I think it is so, so true. And it would be a boring world if everybody was the same. So if I'm not for you, that is absolutely fine. If you want a recommendation, I work with an amazing community of nutritionists, fitness professionals, experts in the area, and I can always turn to them for advice and support. And equally, if there's someone better suited to you who I can refer you on to, I absolutely will do. Because for me, it is for you to get the most out of it. There is no point signing up with me if you don't think that I'm the right fit or, you know, if you don't like the way that I do something or you don't like my personality then you're not going to get the results that you deserve. So if you have any questions, always, always, please feel free just to drop me a message and reach out. I will be releasing a weekly episode. So keep an eye out for that and subscribe to the podcast so that you can keep an eye on the episodes coming out. And I look forward to continuing on with the podcast. I hope that you take something from it. And like I say, Always drop me a message if you have any questions or queries or there's anything that I can help you with.